Vodka. 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 Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and welcome to a special episode of Vodka O'Clock Podcast. I am back from Boston Comic Con. It was really exciting. It was my first time there. Um, there's a lot to talk about regarding the show itself, but what uh, this episode is going to be about is actually a recording of the Queer Comics panel. Uh, it was fantastic to be on this panel. It was such an amazing honor because I just I saw the people who were up there and I'm like, I don't belong up here. Uh, but it was really great to be invited by Jenny Wood to do that. Uh, as a you know, as a a writer and a, a podcaster and a cosplayer to to talk about the LGBTQ community in comics. So uh, on the panel, well, first of all, it's moderated by the incredible Bridget Alverson, and then uh, I was joined by Tana Ford, Jenny Wood, and uh, Joey Stern from Geeks Out. And Geeks Out, as you know, is where I got my fabulous t-shirt that everybody comments on when they see me in it that says strong female character. So, um, you know, if for no other reason, I would send you to Geeks Out just for the (laughs) t-shirts. So um, you're going to hear the panel. It's up um, less than an hour. And the cool thing about it was before we even got started, the room was filled to capacity and they had to turn people away, which is kind of, you know, sad because those people didn't get the chance to be there. And we also didn't even have enough time to answer all of the Q&A at the end. So that was another thing that was just so flattering that so many people came out and had things that they wanted to, to hear and then wanted to express. And, um, you know, obviously, if you have any questions about it, feel free to shoot me an email. Find me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber. And um, I hope to get, you know, a, a fuller, you know, full recap up of the show as well. Right now, the, the gallery of photos that I took, because there was a ton of cosplay and really great people at the show. Um, so those are up on Facebook. Amber unmasked the page. So um, without further ado, please listen to the the panel and uh, send me your feedback. Thanks. Good afternoon and welcome to the Queer Comics panel at Boston Comic Con. I'm your moderator, Bridget Alverson. I'm a writer for Comic Book Resources, uh, Good Comics for Kids, School Library Journal, Publishers Weekly, and um, pretty much anybody who'll pay me. I keep to the freelancers <laughs> code. Um, Oh, and that's my daughter with a little note for me. Thank you. Um, Anyway, thank you for coming. We have a distinguished panel, and we're going to try. We have a lot to talk about, but we are going to try to make some time for questions at the end as well. To my left is Tana Ford. She's the creator and artist of Duck, uh, which won a Prism Comics Queer Press grant. Sorry. My kids always text me when I'm moderating a panel. It's part of the... (laughs) Part of being a mom. Um, and Duck's Second Chances, which was nominated for a Lambda Literary Award. And I definitely would, I'm, I read Duck last year, and I would definitely recommend that you stop by Tana's uh, uh, table and get it. It's like a road movie in comics form and beautifully drawn. Thank you. Uh, both books are available from Northwest Press. Her latest projects include Cafe Racer with Sean Murphy and Marvel Comics New Warriors. So you're drawing for the big boys now. Yeah. Oh. And it just happened. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, we'll Thank see. You. See how you look yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Um, uh, and then uh, Jenny, sorry, it's out of order. I didn't see you guys in order. Jenny Wood uh, is the creator and writer of Flutter, which is a comic series. The Advocate calls Flutter one of the best LGBT graphic novels of 2013. And again, I've read it, and I highly recommend it. She's also an ongoing contributor to the award-winning New York Times best-selling comic FUBAR anthologies. She's a comic writing instructor at Grub Street, Where's that? Is that in Boston? Yes. Yeah, it's on Boylston. Oh, okay. Downtown. Yep. And writes nonfiction features for infoplease.com. This September, 215 Inc. will publish her YA novel, A Boy Like Me. Um, Amber, a.k.a. Elizabeth Amber Love, is a podcaster, model, and writer from New Jersey. She's one of the co-founders of a huge comic art auction hosted by Comic Fusion to benefit a domestic violence charity. She's written Holyoke, Slim and Posh, Teen Detective, Athena Voltaire, Lance, Guy, and C. She's one of the co-writers of Number 130 for Love in the Shakespeare Shaken Anthology and has been a guest writer for the Subculture webcomic. Her podcast, Vodka O'Clock, features <laughs> many different aspects of arts and entertainment. It's on iTunes and Stitcher and her 18-plus site, 
amberunmasked.com. And finally, uh, Joey Stern is one of the founding members and the president of Geeks Out, a not-for-profit group that rallies, empowers, and promotes the queer geek community. Joey is also a lifelong fan of sci-fi, video games, and comic books, so if you're looking for someone to obsess with about those things, he's your guy. Hi. (laughs) Joey feels very strongly that Squirrel Girl belongs on television. Connect with him at... We have a consensus here. That's good. <laughs> Connect with him at geeksout.org or find him as at Joey Stern on Twitter. So that's the panel. Um, Tana asked me to give a brief overview of uh, queer comics, which I think is almost true. How many, how many of you already read queer comics? You see? Pretty much everyone. Pretty much everyone. Pretty much everyone. So my experience, here's my overview. Every queer comics panel I go to, they have to turn people away because it's so such a popular topic nowadays. Um, so 50 years ago, when Fred Wortham wrote Seduction of the Innocent, um, insinuations of homosexuality were used as a reason to ban comics. Now it's something that we celebrate, and I think that's awesome. I think we've seen, particularly in the last 10 years, maybe 15 years, a huge evolution. Um, it's gone hand-in-hand hand with both the societal changes and the move towards self-publishing. Uh, which has um, which has really allowed people to tell, I think, their own stories uh, in their own ways. So, I, I, so I'd actually, we have a lot of questions, and we have a very talented panel. So, I kind of just want to jump right in, and I'm going to start with a question for each of you, um, which you can just answer in turn. Which is what what queer works have resonated with you? Maybe I'll turn on the report. Now. Oh, we'll start down here. Okay. Hi. Hi. Um, I. I have been so happy with reading The Young Avengers right now. Um, and I know it's on hiatus, and, and it's um, just the end of that book where you have Hawkeye asking everyone, like, wait, is everyone gay except me? And then you get Miss America Chavez being like, I've seen the way you look at me. And that's, like, just, it's, and it's done, and then they all go out for breakfast. And that's, like... That's everything I want from a mainstream comic that's going to acknowledge the queer presence um, in so many ways. And there's so much stuff that came before that that um, I could point to. But I feel like, for me, it's just been I've just been so thrilled to sort of see the culmination of a lot of artists' work realize in, in this sort of mainstream format that really, I think, just, like, captures the imagination and also gives me characters I'm rooting for. So, so it's important to you that this is a Marvel comic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, it just, um, so it finished its run, and it's Young Avengers, I think, volume two or possibly volume three. Um, and it, it features uh, just, they're a ragtag team, and they kind of just ruin the world accidentally. <laughs> and then, like, then they go about fixing do. it, and it just tells that complete story. And at the end, there's a big party where everyone gets together, and it's uh, great. Uh, and every part of it's great. And everyone should read it. Noted. Amber? Uh, well, um, character-wise, I loved the pretty much the only thing that came out of the New 52 from DC was the character Starling. Um, and my friend co-created her, and I just tell them all the time how much I loved her, and they sort of, I guess, dropped her into the background, and she barely exists. But um, indie-wise, Oni Press has a book, um, I want to get the name right, uh, Rafe Fox, called The People Inside, and it's a complete book not like comics that you'd normally read sequentially. Um, you read it, and from panel to panel, the text sort of poetically changes to different scenes with different relationships of people. And in that uh, that world that he has, all of these relationships are pretty much every kind that you can imagine. There's heterosexual couples. There's a gay couple. There's um, mixed-race couples. There's even um, a dom-sub element in his couple. Um, just... It's done, components. it's done the same way as one soul, right? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah so there's like, like um, one, one line that kind like of flows 18, into the next line. Like yes. each, each page has nine panels on yes. it, and each panel, like the top left panel on each page is the same story. Mm, so right. you can write, read 18 stories in parallel, or you can go through and read the same panel on each mm-hmm. page and read a single story in sequence, Right, which and is a beautiful way to do a comic. It is an amazing, just artistic book that way that it's... Um, normally, I guess when you tell somebody that you like comics, 
they're going to picture a certain thing in their head and mm -hmm. it's probably going to be superhero books. And mm -hmm. this is nothing at all like that. And it took me a few pages to get used to the different yeah. reading style with how, you know, what one character is saying, their ending few words begins somebody else's sentence. So I just liked it because it was about all these different relationships. And Oni is really great about that kind of thing. They are. They are. They're a great publisher. For me, thinking about the queer comics that resonated, I always go back to the first one I was reading when I was coming out, which was Ariel Schrag's Potential, because mm -hmm. it's such a personal story, and it became a talking point, a way for me to come out. I came from a small town in the South, so coming out was, uh, was not easy, and Potential was a talking point. It was something I could share with people. And then beyond that, I, I loved Brian K. Vaughn's work in The Runaways and Why the Last Man, because... Hero, you know, ends up with a woman, but it's not the most interesting thing about her. There's a lot more to her than just being a lesbian, which I really loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ditto everything you said. Um, I'm also really loving Batwoman right now, um, which I think was a good thing to come it out was, of 52. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went back and read all the gay comics that I could get my hands on, Howard Cruz's stuff. Alison Bechdel's stuff, all the dykes to watch out for stuff, looking for reflection of my experience. I, I read Ariel Shrags, and it was too sad for me. <laughs> and so, so I consumed a lot of queer comics, but I didn't see myself in queer comics. So, yeah. So, all right, so that kind of leads right into the next question, which is what kind of, <laughs> Nice transition, Tana. Um, almost as if you'd seen the what, What's the comic that you wish... That, that would have existed for you to read, either in the past or now? Like, what comic would you like to see now? Even? I would like to take that. I made that comic. And so... Awesome. Because, yeah, so... Yeah, so I was looking for a reflection of my experience, especially when the L word came out, and it was terrible. <laughs> and, I, and, and my friend group would get together and watch it on Sunday nights or whenever it was, and we'd get takeout, and we would hang out, and I would rage at the TV. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I can draw, and I, I can write. I should just make the story that I want to see. And so I did, and that's how I got duck. And so, and that's you my did, answer. and it's great. It's just, you know, you. it's what the L word should have been, right? Really, yeah, because I had the same amount of Ugh, rage. So and to build on that, I wanted to, I, I, you know, again, growing up, I was surrounded by guys in my life. I was raised by guys, and and I grew up thinking, you know, my life would be better as a guy. So I wrote the comic that I wanted to see on yeah. my bookshelf which was a girl who shapeshifts into a boy to get the girl, yeah. and then she learns, you know, that's not all that it is, and that there are difficulties being a guy, and she learns to embrace herself, and, and, and you know, that yeah. find love as a woman and explore love as a woman. So it was, it, it's a very different book, but yeah. it's, I wrote it for the similar reasons. I wanted to yeah. see myself and my experiences in a book. Well, I have not written it, but I would... <laughs> do it. If, uh, we'll have to talk to Scott Snyder back out in the hallway. Yeah, um, if, I would love to see uh, a bisexual Wonder Woman openly in DC Comics. That would be amazing. Ooh. And I would write that. Yeah. If we get your life into a comic, it's going to be the most exciting uh, ever. I've been writing notes. So uh. I, um, the thing that I feel like miss, is missing most, because I, I have seen reflections of my life, because I think they exist out there. Um, but I want to see more, right? Like, And, and um, it's not just... There's uh, this woman, and I'm only going to remember her internet handle, which is terrible, Ginger Hayes. Uh, oh, Nicole, uh, Stevenson. Yeah. Nicole Stevenson. Nicole Stevenson. Nicole Stevenson Noelle, has Noelle this Stevenson. line where yeah. she, people... Because she loves, like every kind of Marvel movie that comes out and she yeah. writes these little doodles yeah. and then occasionally she'll respond to like rude ass that people are like, but don't you hate this character because she's terrible? And her point is always like, no, it's not that I need better characters. Yeah. We need more characters. Yeah. Like you can't put an entire movie yeah. and be like, you know, Black Widow has to represent all women so she has yeah, to right. be sad and strong and weak and terrible and great and mean and like, no, you have to have like ten women, and then they can represent yeah. like a wide swath of people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like one of the things I really like, going back to Young Avengers, is that there's a lot of varieties of people, experiences, and enlisted there, and also 
you get to the point once you have those characters and once it normalizes stuff that if you have that representation, I'm actually reading about an individual's experience rather mm. than being like, well, this has to be my favorite because yeah. he's a little Nelly. And right, that's right. great when yeah. I don't have to do that. Yeah. Though I do like the Nelly one. <laughs> and I think that's part of the evolution of gay comics, too. Yeah. Um, I was at the TKF panel, and we were talking about that, how like 10, 15 years ago, a gay comic was about being gay. Yeah. And like now, there's, there's just so much more richness. There's a, a, a greater variety of characters. But, but uh, Tana and Jenny, let me address specifically... Since you both did this, are you concerned that you'll suffer from the To Kill a Mockingbird problem, let's call it, where, like, you wrote that comic? Like, is there more? Or, or, or has, has that been, like, is that the end of it? So for me, there is more. And um, I'm working, I, I, I think I'm finished, though it needs editing, with the, sequ- with the trilogy, the next one, Duck 3. And it focuses very much on the day-to-day lives of my band of Boston lesbians and it deals with things like biphobia my main character is really biphobic and there's a lot of stuff in the second book um, that is problematic and it's intentional but I'm afraid that people will be like oh you don't like bisexual people (laughs) you know and so and I want to address that I think that there are a lot of conversations that I still want to have and that I'm planning on having and then afterwards you will Form your Boston punk band, yes. Boston Lesbians. Yes. Yes. Boston and band I will buy lesbians. all of your albums. <laughs> awesome. There, there's just so many more uh, characters and books and stories to tell. I've got volume two of Flutter coming out, which uh, explores uh, Lily, the protagonist's relationship with a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also got A Boy Like Me, which is a, a trans man perspective. And so I'm telling a, a much different story instead of. I mean, my experience or Lillian Flutter, where it's, would my life be easier in this small town as a boy? This is someone who was born a boy and his struggle to embrace who he is and get the world to see him for who he is. And, you know, it's just, there's so many stories to tell. We're just getting started. Yeah, I feel that way too. So you're not going to run out? No, no. Okay. I mean, yeah, there are many stories to tell. So do you feel like uh, that you have a responsibility to be writing about mm. gay, trans queer characters, um, is that like an important part of your work? Would you consider writing other types of stories? It's definitely an important part of my work, and I'll always have LGBTQ characters in everything that I write, and in many different ways as possible, but it's, you know, it is only one part. I I definitely would and have, uh, you know, write other stories. I think for me, it's, I feel, kids, um, let's see. Oh, I write characters. I feel compelled to write queer characters because my life includes so many queer characters. I mean, I'm surrounded by women like me, and that, I think, informs how I move through the world. And and so I would naturally... That would come out in my art no matter what, even if the stories that I'm telling, for instance, Duck, the first book that I wrote... It's not about these women being gay. They go on a road trip. It's just they're lesbians and they talk like I would talk and they do funny things. And the story itself is about friendship and connection and love and family. And the gayness is sort of peripheral. Uh, Not peripheral, but it's important, but it's not the story. And so, and that's how I find that my life is. And so I think that's going to always be reflected in my art. Do you find it hard to write straight characters every now and then? Oh, no, I don't. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I do it successfully or not, but... (laughs) You do. You do. A lot of my friends are straight. (laughs) Some of my best friends. Some of my best friends are straight. Some of my best friends are straight. Yeah, actually, Jenny, we talked a little bit about this earlier because um, uh, you write about a trans character, but you are not yourself trans. And I think that's that's a challenge for everybody is writing about, you know, whatever you're not. So can you tell me how you address that? It's, you know, the the whole, uh, every issue uh, involving the transgender community is greatly important to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did a ton of research. I did a a ton of research for a year before I even wrote a word 
interviews, uh, first-hand accounts, anything I can get my hands on, anyone I could talk to. And then during revision, I brought in a trans man around the same age as my protagonist and had him work with me through the whole thing just to make sure that I got every detail right because there have been so many stereotypes out there and so many things in the media, in pop culture, books, movies that have gotten it wrong that the last thing I wanted to do was to put something out there that would add to that. Um, it's it's interesting because in my writing, in my fiction writing, I don't necessarily have that representation. And unlike these folks, I am not surrounded by a wonderful lesbian or trans or bi community. I'm kind of isolated, and I have the internet. Yeah. Um, and so as a podcaster, I take that responsibility to make sure that when I record panels like here or at Steampunk World's Fair... Um, when they cover gender identity, I want those panels recorded so that people like me who live in the middle of nowhere can at least listen to it, they can feel less alone, and then they can discover the conventions where it's safe for them. And our steampunk shows in New Jersey uh, make that effort. They make a huge effort to have a safe environment. Hmm. Has it been your experience there are places where it's not safe? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, the internet is a mean place, but oh, well, I yeah. mean, when it comes to cosplay, because I um, I have done cosplay for years, uh-huh. um, gender bending and gender swapping characters has become hugely popular, and it's very different, I see, when it's somebody who's, uh, you know, I don't know how they identify, but you can tell, like, when it's a man dressed as a female character, and uh, they take a lot more flack. Because really? there's a difference between mm-hmm. the guys who kind of do it. Like, you know when there's, a, you know, a, a big hairy guy running around as Slave Leia that he's just doing it to be mocking and just joking and being kind of, you know, an idiot about it versus somebody who's, like, gender swapping and putting a character on in drag because he, you know, loves the character. Like, right. you know, a dude dressed as Catwoman is, a, you know, he's Catwoman. Yeah. And that's eye-opening. I mean, because cosplay, trust me, we're already looked at weirdos by a lot of people. So, um, you know, then when you're gender swapping and cosplaying, people <laughs> don't necessarily know what to make of you. Right. So it's just, it's important now for conventions to make that awareness out there when their convention is safe. Right. And if, you know, and if people don't feel safe, how to then proceed and just sometimes they have a quiet room, the whole place where you can go and you can relax if you felt like you were harassed or anything. Hmm. So, oh, okay. that's, you know, that's the type of thing, like, as a podcaster that I want out there. When yeah. I was at Gamer X, one of the things that I really appreciated that they did and I um, was when you registered, they gave you stickers, and your stickers gave your pronoun preferences. So you could put a sticker on your awesome. on your badge and, and yeah. say, and like, also gender neutral bathrooms. Has yeah. Been, yeah. yeah, every every bathroom was gender neutral, and uh, every um, and they. <laughs> They kept putting up the signs, and the hotel staff kept taking it down because they weren't sure what was happening. And there was this long discussion, which was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But, um, like, putting forward this, like, like it was just, it's this, um, it's always weird to me that when you go to the restroom, like, if you go anywhere else in the world, the thing you're using is the symbol for the thing you're using. Yeah. When you go to the restroom, the symbol is, like, a person as opposed to, like, a toilet or whatever. And yeah. so, like, they just had these gender-neutral bathroom signs that they were putting up that had a toilet. And I was like, oh, right, this is where the toilets are, and anyone can <laughs> use them. And that's great. But you would see the staff take them down and then be like, why do people keep covering up our bathroom signs? Someone's <laughs> going to get confused. Um, and I... clear on the concept. It was just one of those, like, oh, right, like, here's this thing that we do that we pretend is normal but is totally yeah. weird that we only do for the sake of, like, creating a binary. Yeah. Um, and I think that with a lot of conventions, and especially with gender uh, gender swapping and, and, you know, in general, I shouldn't call it all gender play when it comes to costuming, um, it's fascinating because when you have someone dressing in drag, as long as that person's in drag, it's she, right? Or, or if they're yeah. drag king, it's he. When you have people in cosplay, even specifically cosplaying as a male character or female character, um, you often use the, the gender terminology you use there can be very different, right? Like if I'm like, oh, and you know, she, and then like, no, no, I'm call me, call me Richard, like even though I'm dressed up as Catwoman, um, and because those rules don't exist, because that conversation doesn't exist, uh, 
I really would appreciate stickers, and that would be. <laughs> so, do you feel like with your podcast, are, are you helping to create that community to talk about uh, conventions and spaces that are safe, and also what it takes to make them safe? I do because I, I really like to just you know give props to the ones who are making a great effort and doing it right. So the Jeff Mack events in New Jersey and the DexCon Double Exposure is the the producer for the gaming conventions in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And they, you know, they go out of their way to make sure that there's, I mean, there's the, you know, men's room and ladies' room, but then they'll find bathrooms that they'll make gender neutral because that way everybody's happy mm-hmm. because it's not like it's a trans gaming convention or a trans steampunk convention. They just want to make sure that everybody mm-hmm. is is safe. Right, mm-hmm. right. What about calling out conventions where you don't feel safe? That's, I think it's, that's kind of I a harder thing to do. It's hard to do, but I think it's important. I think you do that with retailers as well because I work mm. at, um, at Comic Fusion, and you know we're in a very LGBT friendly and co-owned shop, and um, there are retailers out there who are horrible bigots. Mm. And I yeah, know, let's I, talk. Let's talk a little bit about that about the comic shop experience. I, I mean, the comic I mean, shop can you know. It, it's just even just as a female, like I, I stopped reading comics in 1986 because I had the bad comic shop experience. Because every time I bought comics, I felt like I was flunking a quiz. Yeah, you know. Yes. And uh, and I came back to it fortunately, but that's it's this is the major distribution system, especially for Marvel and DC, which was mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. So let's talk about comic shops. Like how how is it? Did you have to look around a lot to find a place? I did. I shopped um, around to a few different stores um, because I had never bought a comic myself, and um, I had watched a lot of G4 TV and mm-hmm. wanted to get into uh, reading the Buffy comic. And so I, you know, kept dealing with you know just retailers that they didn't care, they didn't ask if you wanted yeah. help, or they would ask my husband what he wanted. And yeah. um, so eventually, I found Comic Fusion, and Stacy talked to me for an hour. Like, before selling me a book, wow. she talked to me. That's just good customer service. And it was amazing. It's and like the same thing happens to me at Home Depot, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I go in and ask questions, and they're t- they talk to I answer my husband. I'm like, I'm the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So that was great. But then, on the other hand, you know, it's a really small shop in Flemington, New Jersey, that, like, you know, not too many people have heard of. But then there are these people out there like, sorry, I'm calling him out, Larry's Comics. He's just an asshole. Yeah. And he gets all of these amazing exclusives from the publishers with all of these variant covers. And part of comics is still a collectability yeah. factor. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I just, every time I see one of my friends retweet that Larry's has an exclusive something variant, yeah. like My Little Ponies. Like My Little Ponies is like a, a trans-friendly, gay-friendly comic. And this guy is getting the exclusives, and that bothers me. Are you yeah. talking about his online persona or his in, physical in-store persona? Um, I've heard it's both, but he's okay. been really yeah, just like p- his online persona, particularly me yeah, online. A hard yeah. to take. Like yeah. he, he like really went off on a racist rant about Miles Morales. He's been really Jesus. mean to trans shoppers. Yeah. So I just can't. That would be bad him. customer service. Actually, I would. I would like to say that I think in Boston we're spoiled. We have really great comic shops. In everywhere, there's great comic shops in Kenmore and in Harvard and in Davis and in Union and like we have, we're, we're spoiled with. Oh, good you must places. be talking about Comicopia, Comicazi, yeah. Hub Comics. Yeah, just name Yeah, I'll just name them. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah. Million Year Picnic. Yes, yeah. I you know, and, um, Hub Comics. Yeah, Phantom of the Attic in Pittsburgh was really great. So yeah. I mean, you know, when you find a great comic shop, you, yeah. you make sure that you talk about them. Um, a year ago, I moved to West Palm Beach from Boston, and it. It, and it's been really, really great. But one of the things that I no longer have is access to great comic book shops. And there's one, I have to drive very far, and I pass one, and I have been too nervous to go in there because it just looks, I'm, I'm, I'm basing my judgment on looks alone, and it doesn't look like it's my kind of place. You can kind of tell. There's a vibe. Yeah. There's a vibe. The posters I, on the windows. Yeah, and I've been so spoiled on great comic shops because Boston is rich with them that I can't bring myself to go in. And so, One of the things we've been talking about uh, for a while with Geeks Out, um, and this is something we put a little bit on the back burner, has been what we've been calling our comic book uh, store initiative, where people could dominate their comic book stores as, yeah. like, friendly. Um, and if that's an interest of this group, well, I think I we can probably put that forward. I know that there's a Tumblr yeah, called Hater Hater Free Tumblr. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh. That's Which nice. focuses more on, on women and people with disabilities, but I think is pretty much everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is a great resource. Yeah, but you know what? It's good to have two resources. It's good to have three resources. So, yeah. Well, we can look into that. Kevin, make that note. 
Write it down, Kevin. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, talk about visibility. You know, I think there was a time when gay people were pretty much invisible. Yeah. Or like if you watch an old movie, they're there, but they're coded in this yeah. weird way. Yeah. You know, the confirmed bachelor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, like a lot of things, that has changed a lot. What part do you think that comics has played in that? See, I wonder about this. I, I'm glad that we have this question because I don't have an answer to it. I don't know. I think that queer comics especially, because they've been so honest, because they tell real stories broadly, and because we've been doing it as a community for decades, I think it matters. I don't know how you would measure that. I don't know how you would know, but... But it seems to me that it's true that that it has increased visibility, or at least if when I first started reading these stories when I was young and before I had come out, and I'm reading Dykes to Watch Out For, and I'm looking up everything that I can, even though it wasn't a reflection of me, it was a reflection of something that was different, like I was different. And it made me feel better. And so knowing that there were people out there like that mattered and it mattered in this really important way but in a way that I don't know that I can say any better than that yeah I, I mean I feel the same way I think that the comics reach uh, a area a demographic that you know needs these stories yeah. to, and, and is aching for these stories because and they're young young people young people but also just uh, just a wide demographic. Yeah. I mean, when people come to my table for Flutter, it's just such a wide demographic yeah. of people. Mine too. I'm sure you've experienced that yep. too. And I recently uh, went to a small town in the Midwest for a convention, and the exhibitors were great, and the the people running it were great. But that audience, they you know, it's way outside my bubble, and a lot of them mm-hmm. just would walk right by my table. Uh, or once I told them what Flutter was about, would just awkwardly leave. But I also <laughs> got a lot of people Yeah, I grew talking. up in the Midwest. Apparently it hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small town. It's Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay, Appleseed yeah. Comic Con. It's amazing organizers. Great. But, you know, I pushed out of my bubble, and I got talking yeah. to people. I got to talk to people who were still uncomfortable with it. And I think yeah. that's important for yeah. all of us to do. And I think comics are reaching. I mean, I sold Flutter to people who, you know, it's, it's the first... LGBTQ yeah. thing they're going to read, yeah. be, you know, and I think that that's important. And I, I think that we're, we're able to reach an audience through comics that we can't anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't quite have, uh, know what the circumstances were for visibility and how other people are feeling about it um, these days. But because, like, personally speaking, it's, you know, I'm bisexual and polyamorous. I, people confuse those terms. Mm. And they're very, and I understand the confusion. Mm. Um, I really do. It's just funny that as soon as you talk about a, a person or a character being bisexual, people assume that there's threesomes going on every mm-hmm. weekend. And yeah. there's an you know there was a time, but <laughs> it's not right now. Um, so you know, okay, kudos. But you know, if you're getting that, it's just, so I, I have like no no visibility that I can. Outside of porn, which, you know, is, is great, but let's face it, I don't, you know, I gotta have something besides porn to go to. I think um, I have a very clear memory of finding Wolverine attractive, and not uh, which is before Hugh Jackman. They he's more shirtless in those comics than any other character, like male character at least. Um, and I, I have a very clear memory of that, and understanding like, oh, <laughs> right, like, and and it's especially with comics, like, because people, you're not just looking at pictures of individuals who have been posed and stylized in a way that's supposed to be appealing, but you're looking at like creations from other people mm. designed to be appealing to the creator of, mm. like, who's ever created it. And there are some very clearly gay comic book drawers. And those <laughs> people, uh, God bless them, and everything they ever did for my childhood. But, uh, like, because, like, television, TV shows, all that stuff, like, they photograph people, and they're, and they're visually, and, like, design-wise, it's, it's built for a very, very big audience. But you can have an artist who takes control of a book and gives you a different perspective on characters who you've seen for years yeah. before that. And you're like, it's like that, um, this is so bad. I was at my hotel room last night and I watched uh, He's Just Not That Into You. But there's a scene in that movie uh, 
where where one of the characters realizes that she likes somebody and she's like, oh, oh, right, you're here. And I had that moment with Wolverine. And I'm forgetting. <laughs> just like, like, oh, oh, right. Oh, oh. Uh, and that, I think, like, like, watching now characters get to be attractive and get to have relationships and get to be um, fulfilled as much yeah. as anyone in comics ever is uh, before one of them is tragically destroyed uh, is, is so... Important and great because it exposes people to a world that someone that, that several people get to create that's actually unique and doesn't have to rely on real world mechanics or real world images or anything. It's it's all someone's imagination, and I think that's what makes those things so poignant and also beautiful. Mm. Well said. Yeah. So we have we have just time for one more question, and then we're going to go to the audience Q and A because this panel is a little shorter than I realized. Um, I wanted, what is, do you think it's important, um, you know, gay comics have gone from being like just a comic about someone being gay, Mm -hmm. um, was as high as the concept got, to now being a a very rich field. Do you think it's important to have a specific sector of queer comics? Do you think it's better that, that queer people simply be a part of life in comics as they are in the rest of life? Like, what's the importance? I think that there is something happening right now about specifically about lesbian identity and whether or not we as a community are losing lesbian identity and um and i and i don't have any answers there and i think it for me it's it means different things on the one hand it's really wonderful to see things reflected in my experience reflected in all of these amazing stories these complex human stories but now there's a gimmicky aspect to it. Like, if you talk to anyone from Marvel or DC, it's, we need it, now we need a lesbian character, and we need some gay characters, and let's make this one gay, and they're commoditizing it. And, and I don't think, you know, everything is, has its good points and its bad points, but I do wonder if we're losing some sort of cultural identity by not being other anymore. We are still other, of course, but now we're, blurring in you know we're marrying and we have normal families and it's okay to come out to your family in a lot of places and it's safer now so what the broader question is what does that mean for for us as a whole as a as an umbrella you know of people and i don't know i think these things come in waves and they come in trends right now lgbtq is is a really hot commodity as you said I was just at San Diego Comic-Con, and the, the entertainment scouts come around, and as soon as they find out me or anyone else had anything LGBTQ, they were all about it. It's a trend. It, it's, yeah, it's a they're way, checking off a box. Which is, yeah, which is why we need to keep uh, our queer community yeah. strong. Yeah, and I believe in community, so I, there's part of me that doesn't want to lose it. You know, whatever that, I call it the pink bubble for me, because I, cause I, I, my Gay. brothers, my, I know. <laughs> so gay and um my some of my best friends are straight um but they but they tease me because the way i see the world is very through rose-colored glasses like i see things and i interact with the world gay like i just do and so and so i don't know that i know what it's like elsewhere or in uh quote-unquote normal life like this is the one that i know but who wants to? I mean, I mean, like I, I, I don't want to know that. That sounds terrible. I don't. Yeah, like I, I, uh, I think that there is. Um, sorry, I, I didn't. Oh no! I mean, I just didn't know if um, it's. I understand the the desire as a consumer if you want to shelve things on their own like queer shelf yeah. and have a publisher that's dedicated to that so that way you know what to go to mm-hmm. it's easy for you to find on the other hand i i kind of really like that my mainstream stuff is just friendlier yeah well so you have a section note, of like my horror comics queer shelf will be playing after <laughs> boston lesbian yes, yes. <laughs> this is going to be the best concert i'm yeah. really well, excited but but as, as someone who um was an underrepresented minority i was i was a physics major in college and my sister's a mathematician Nerd. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i look i look at the world through my own glasses and they're totally quantitative <laughs> um 
there's an advantage in a way. Right now, there's a lot of opportunity, and this was something at TCAF, like uh, Jillian Tamaki was talking about, how you know she's like kind of the go-to person now, and she has lots of work because she's writing yeah. about an aspect of life that everybody wants to write about. Yeah. Not enough people are doing, you know. And do you find that that's creating opportunities for you? I I find that it's creating opportunities for me. <laughs> that's good. Yes. But like Phil, I mean, I'm, so. Phil Jimenez has existed in this industry for a very long time. Wonderfully and beautifully. Right. And um, I'm forgetting his name, but he used to work on the suburbs, and now he is writing... Yes! <laughs> um, uh, who is someone who I, I is new to me, but I don't think new to the industry as a whole. Um, but with a lot of, of this stuff, I, I think what we're actually seeing is not necessarily a rise in queer comics, but rather a rise in accessibility to those mm, things. Yeah. Like, uh, now we're having people building web comics and then eventually making books mm. of them, and you can purchase those items. And we've mm-hmm. got with Comixology, I can find mm-hmm. what used to be kind of difficult to get an actual hard copy of, at least mm. an accessible way for me to give mm. someone money for yeah. something I love. Um, and with that, that's all really good and I want those things to exist at the same time I also want the mainstream to continue to expand and mm. show more characters yeah. I mean I don't want a world where everyone's like well it's great that you're gay but I still want grandkids like I don't yeah. that's not <laughs> that's not a conversation I want to have to have rather than uh, I want a world where everyone can sort of choose their lives and people have that accessibility mm. like I'd like to give straight people the accessibility to the gay lifestyle parts yeah. where, like, you don't have to have babies. You can just spend the rest of your life traveling to nice places and sleeping around. And that's <laughs> great. Why didn't anyone uh, tell me? And that's what I want to bring to them. Uh, well said. And so basically your answer is all of the above. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll have everything. I like that. Um, so I would also have... like you guys to still have work, so. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, does anybody have any questions? We have a microphone if... Uh... Yeah, we have a little bit of time for questions. So, while we're waiting for people to line up, I wanted to, is, is anybody really upset about the Constantine controversy? Because I'm willing to give the producers some credit. Oh. Okay. I was just willing to give the producers a little bit of credit that they might deserve. To just you say, give them an inch of credit, they take a mile. That's what happens you know, with producers. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. I'm going to do because. this, and it's going to be awkward. Um, I live in the land of plaid machismo. Um, there is one bathroom for women in the workplace and three for men uh, because of necessity. Um, and I don't have a lot of access to the rose-colored lenses. Yeah. Um, and as They're a creator or writer, I don't, feel, I don't want to feel like I'm just plugging someone of an alternative lifestyle that I don't have experience with or an understanding of into my story because I want them to be represented. I want that that voice to be heard, but I don't have that voice in my head, mm. and I don't... Oh, I mean, there's the internet, of course. But what is your advice uh, as a creator for someone who wants to have re- res- responsibility... Is there a responsibility to put someone... To put that voice in my cisgendered uh, worldview? Uh, of a story, if that's all I have access to, I guess is what I'm saying. I prefer tokens to nothing. <laughs> yeah. As a character, like when as a reader, if if like I would rather a bad gay character exist than no acknowledgement of gayness, yeah. like the yeah. Star Trek rule, right? Where it's yeah. like you have the future and everything's great and no one is gay, no <laughs> one is gay at all. There's like two women sleeping with Captain Kirk and no one is gay. <laughs> It's like, okay, fine. You know, yeah. Great universe. So, like, even if one just Nelly Queen in the background was like, hey, girl, we're going to go out for margaritas later, right? <laughs> I would be so happy. All I want. I don't know if there's margaritas in a sword and sorcery world. Uh, yeah. Have oh. your gay character invent margaritas. Yes. There, there you go. Thank you. Uh, okay, thank you. Anybody else want to weigh in on this? I think Joey handled it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was perfect. Someone at TCAF said, I forget who it was, uh, was a creator. She wrote 100 butches, 100 crushes. Alicia Lim. Um, She said, uh, 
tokenism means that I have a seat at the table, so that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. So it's yeah, better than nothing. That gets you in there. And yeah. I think we're past the age of tokenism. I think we've Pretty moved much. well beyond that. And well, so you just do what you can do. Two gay people. And if you feel moved, I mean, it's all about what moves you at the end of the day. It's less about responsibility, but if you feel moved to write that character, and it's less about characters and more about human. Just write a human, make them human, and they're going to resonate with all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Good stories are good stories. Okay, next. First off, I wanted to thank everyone who's here as an ally and not just, like, not necessarily part of the community. Yes. Um, (laughs) And I also, I wanted to ask you guys, um, I think there's a lot of intersection between being queer and non-monogamy, and I was wondering where are Mm. good places we can can see those kinds of characters represented that's Mm. not, like, girls with slingshots. Mm. It's, like, the only one I can think of. Yeah, yeah. I... I have some of this coming up in Duck 3, you guys, so be sure to pick that up. <laughs> but beyond that, I don't know. Do you? I don't, I, I don't because I only I, I network with people in real life and have not seen this done in fiction very well. Um, I'm guessing that since the steampunk community is so extremely open and cool about this, my guess would be maybe in the steampunk mm. comics there might be something. Um, Chuck and Finn are getting hitched is a really good resource. Oh, it's so great, Tony. It's so yeah, Tony Tony Breed uh, yeah. writes this, and he just changed it to, to now writing his new one, Muddler's Beat. And right now, um, there is a uh, the fallout from from them sort of opening their relationship and having a lot of questions about that. Yeah, um, and he writes really the stuff beautifully, and I think is a really good resource for that. Mm-hmm. And then online, um, I mean, depending upon your level of, of cheese that you're willing to tolerate <laughs> in your comics. Uh, it's called, like, Brad's B&B, and it's terrible but also hilariously bad. <laughs> and I would look at that. But Muddler's Beat is, I think, just really beautifully written, great yeah. characters, and explores a lot of, like, non-monogamy yeah. as process for a relationship. And it's Tony Breed. Tony He's Breed. awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Next. Hello. Um, I, am I close enough? You're yes. good. Yeah. We can okay, hear you. Cool. Um, first of all, thank you for having this panel. This has been a panel I've been excited for ever since it was announced. Um, my question is, so a lot of current media um, involves either reboots of franchises. There are a lot of old stories that are getting mm-hmm. told often, which, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad, but that also means in franchises where there, aren't, there isn't queer representation, there continues to be no queer representation for the most part. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people debate about having new characters, say, like, you know, using superhero comics as an example, mm-hmm. creating new characters versus taking pre-existing characters and you know having them come out or reveal mm-hmm. that they're bisexual or something mm-hmm. different. What are your thoughts on creating new characters in a world where new characters don't often catch fire and mm-hmm. then you know disappear after a couple issues, unfortunately? Or versus, you know, there's race bending, there's gender bending, there's you know mm-hmm. sexuality bending. Um, versus doing that with existing characters, like making you know Wonder Woman bisexual. What are your thoughts on that? I, for me, anyway, I'd rather see a new character done with a clean slate and where there's where you're not upsetting every single person out there that's read a character for 50 or 60 years. Um, I think if you're going to take an existing character like Wonder Woman, I, I just it makes sense for her in my head because she comes from an island of women. The the thing about Wonder Woman that's fascinating, and I highly recommend any of you who are interested in um, in this, look up Phil Jimenez's talks on Wonder Woman. She represents the perception of female sexuality through the lens of many, mostly white men, but often... And so as the history of Wonder Woman changes, there, that commentary on female sexuality... She, it's just fascinating, and it's too much to get into here. But you should really—it it definitely is. Yeah, and it's and so and she is a very sexual character, right. anyway, and, Phil, and yeah, has Phil's a rich a history. Yeah, where other characters maybe don't have that history. I think you can do rewrites of characters, but you need to do it like everything. You need to do it well. And I think if Marvel and DC can avoid being gimmicky about it and they can respect the history of the characters, there's a, there's a plethora of characters to choose from, to bring back or to reinvent or to have them come out. Or, and the stories that have been told involving these characters are really rich and varied. And so you can find 
meaning in their histories as well as creating new characters. And I right. think, yeah. and I just think it has to fit and make perfect sense. And, yeah. and in Wonder Woman's case, do it well. I, I believe that it does. With, I, with Green Lantern, I didn't. Green, I was not backing that Green Lantern. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I would like to see Steve and uh, Bucky kiss. So <laughs> if that could just happen, that would be fine. And if they eventually pull Chris Pratt into the main movie franchises. Right. So I just think, like, that's fine. Yes, definitely respect the character's history. But yeah. also, let's get a lot of people kissing. Yes. And I... Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, but about the characters, Everyone I mean... Gets hit with a gay one ray. of the, the gimmicky things about it is it's always been, like, just accepted if it's a shapeshifter of some kind, like Loki. Yeah. I mean, and, and Loki's a fabulous character. Yeah. And great sexually and everything. But yeah. it's like, you know, I just, I just think that there's a difference when... Um, when they made this new Batwoman, mm. I was much more interested in Batwoman when I learned about her and learned that she was a new character, like descendant of, mm. you know, however many Batwomen titles ago. Mm. Um, I, when, it, when she became Kate, Kate Kane, Kane. Yeah. I was definitely more interested than just like, oh God, you're bringing back this character from the 60s. Or And uh, here's a situation where we have a straight white man writing a character that feels very real and just jumps off the page. And I think it's really done beautifully. And though there is a part of me that wants women to be creating women like that, and Lumberjanes is doing awesome things, um, and that we need more of that, it's also, I don't know if I would use the word encouraging, but it's definitely good that other people who don't have this experience but care about it deeply can tell what feel like real stories like that. So whatever you do, as long as you do it well, I think it can work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is going to have to be our last question. Sorry, because we're running out. They gave us a little extra time, but even so. Uh, before I say my question, I just want to say uh, what you guys were talking about earlier with taking uh, older characters and then revamping them or making them come out is actually happening in Avengers Academy. Uh, she, uh, Lightspeed uh, is actually currently dating uh, Carolina Dean from The Runaways that you were talking about. Uh, so that is, in fact, happening. Not yeah. Carolyn Van Dean, though. <laughs> I don't trust her. Well, then you won't like my question, because it is about Runaways. <laughs> I like Runaways. I just don't trust her. She's not a good girlfriend. I just think we should acknowledge that. Okay, so uh, my question is about, um, I remember hearing some rumors about uh, there, the possibility of a Runaways movie or TV show following the um, fantastic success of Guardians of the Galaxy. But Carolina Dean, uh, the, open, the, uh, the team's one of the only gay characters in the team, besides Zem, that comes in later, uh, she didn't come out until after the main storyline. So if there is a movie or a TV show, do you sort of... I'm a little bit worried that they're going to either take away that entire storyline of her struggling with her sexuality or just, like, what do you guys think is going to happen? I don't think they'll take it away. I haven't heard the rumor, but LGBTQ is the hot thing right now, so I think it'll be in there. It'll surprise me if it's not. Do you know who the producer is? Like, I mean, if it's Joss Whedon, I think you're kind of guaranteed. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, they've been in the works for it for a while. Like, I remember being in freshman year and hearing about it. But, but I mean, it's an interesting thing, though, thinking about Joss and when I asked you guys about Constantine. Um, Willow did not come out as bisexual until, like, season three of Buffy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you, when you do hear mm-hmm. of these kind of projects possibly in the works Hollywood-wise... Mm-hmm. You just might need to put a little pressure on them and give it some time. Yep. But the other thing is Hollywood's a lot bigger than the comics, and they're gonna, they pretty much have their own continuity. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, so I want to thank everybody for coming. This was a wonderful panel. Thank you all. Thank you. And thank you to Tana for inviting me, and you should go and check out all these guys' comics. Thank you. Thank you.